Bethany's a cool place. It's a church that's got its own community garden. I didn't know how much about community gardens, but I, I, we thought this would be a good year to try one. So my son Dave and I have a community garden, and it's sprouting. That's a picture I took just yesterday, or two days ago, a couple of days ago, of a bean plant. So we have, um, we have our green side. So on one side of our little patch, it's going to be green. It's going to be green beans and green broccoli. And then on the other side, it's the colors. We've got these, these uh, bright pepper plants, which I've already been told will not be mature in time, so we should go get pepper plants, but we're going to see what happens. And then, um, then we have purple beans over here. So I'm not, I'm not much of a gardener. We just, that's how we did, I, I don't know how to organize a garden, so we just did green on one side and color on the other. And then we got um, these snap peas in a circle. We have three circles of snap peas, but they have to grow on, on something. Like, and you're supposed to have like a pole or something. And we're having none of that like stick things. That's boring. So what we're doing is we're growing uh, uh, sunflower. So we have three sunflowers. They could get up to 10 feet tall that they're going to grow on. Now, I don't know if any of this will happen, but there's hope. There's hope for all these things. But one thing we do not have in our garden is tomatoes. Now, I don't really care for tomatoes. I really like salsa. I like salsa. But I don't have any tomatoes. But what if we decided we want tomatoes? We're going to help somebody else get tomatoes. So what we could do, a, a gardener, I suppose, could say, I want tomatoes so bad, I'm going to make those tomatoes happen. So we're going to go up to our pepper plants, and we're going to make sure they're well irrigated. We're going to irrigate those. We're going to water them perfect. They're going to get just the right amount of water every single day. And then we're going to weed around them like crazy. And we're, we're going to work so hard that those peppers will make tomatoes. And then, you know, when it gets closer to the fall, we'll cover them so that our beautiful whatever is going to happen. And, and I think we all know where this is going. There's no way around it there's no way a pepper can make a tomato. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Today we're going to be looking at a story about a man named Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus saying, okay, I'm doing, he basically, I can just imagine in his mind, I'm doing this and this. And I got this sorted and this and this. And all my stuff is in a row. If you were, I can just imagine, if you went to Nicodemus's garden, it would be immaculately organized. Not like mine. It would be beautiful. All right, it would be amazing. And, and he's saying, now Jesus, just one more, what would, be, what would really put this over the top? What would put me up there? And Jesus is like, oh, Nicodemus, I'm so glad you came to me, but we're going to go in a completely different direction. And that's where we're going to go today. It's the story of Nicodemus and about the life-giving God, connecting people to the life-giving God. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 3. I'll be using the New International Version of the Bible today. Uh, if you have a, a tablet or smartphone, you can, you can use that today. We have a, um, an app that, or a, an event on that page. So if, if you're curious, you can look at that. So uh, we'll be talking about real life for real people today. Real life for real people. So a question I, I could maybe ask would be this morning, what is the label that you walked in here with this morning? Are you a missionary? Are you a camp staffer? Are you a dad? Are you a mom? Are you a son? 
Are you a daughter? Are you a boss? Are you a helper? Are you smart? Do you have everything in a row? Are you a punctual person? Are you a late person? Are you slow? Do you consider yourself a hypocrite? Probably not, right? But those other people are. Um, Liar. I hope not. Who did Jesus come to give life to? Every one of those. He came to give life to all those people. And he even came to those who are good, who supposedly have their life all together. Nicodemus is a story of a person. He was a Pharisee. If you read 3 verse 1, he's a Pharisee. Not only was he a Pharisee, he was part of a ruling council of Pharisees. So if there was a group of Pharisees, he was the top of the heap of these Pharisees. The Pharisees, let me describe a little bit what they may have been like. Pharisees were known as the keepers of the law. Many of the Pharisees, maybe Nicodemus, had the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, memorized. If you look in your Bible right now, that's a lot of words to memorize. But not only that, the Pharisees didn't just keep the written law. They kept the oral tradition as well. So on top of all this written, his, written law, they kept hundreds of years of oral tradition intact. They, they did all these things. So the, do you get a picture in your mind, maybe a little bit of the person that Nicodemus was like? He tied his life to the practicing of religion and doing it just so. And there's a problem that he faced because of that. It's not uncommon, and in fact, it's easy to fall into a pattern where where we tie our good standing with God into all the things that we have done. I like to say that again. It's, It's not uncommon, and in fact, it is easy to fall into a pattern where we tie our good standing with God into all the good things that we have done. Like a gardener who's working hard, tilling his soil, fertilizing, weeding, watering, and expecting tomatoes out of peppers. Jesus is pointing out, maybe we need to go a different direction today. Well, we're in a series. We're, we're going through, we, a group of 25 people or so put together uh, they, they tried to describe as best we could. We, we went together, we tried to describe what is Bethany and where are we going. So what is Bethany, where are we going? We chose a verse, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which, te- which tells us that we should continue to meet together so that we can encourage and spur one another on. We have a candle that reminds us we should be sharing this good news with our world in whatever way we know how. And then we came up with a statement. It says, crossing boundaries, which is what we covered the last two weeks, crossing boundaries. How can we bridge a gap? And as you'll see in this story, Jesus goes, he doesn't wait for Nicodemus to to be something. He goes into Nicodemus' world and goes to where he's at. And then it it says, to do what? To connect people to the life-giving God. Because it's not enough to just cross boundaries. What do we do then? There's only one source. There's got to be a source of life. It's to connect to the life-giving God and to experience transformational community. As 
Pastor Kim highlighted, all could be tied into maybe even just one word, relationship. So, in this story with Nicodemus, Jesus is crossing boundaries. And he's introducing him to the life-giving God. That's what he's doing. And that's what we're about today. God is offering this life for everyone. And while we will be focusing on this message that Jesus had for Nicodemus, it really could be for us as well. We're told this story because I think sometimes, especially for those of us that have been in the church, been here a while maybe, it's easy to fall into a pattern. There's maybe more to Nicodemus in us than we care to admit. It's a natural tendency to allow our eyes and focus to get off of what we really need or what we do and what God did for us. And I can be one of the ones that can do that. I know what I need to do and not do. I know my certain actions that I'm supposed to have. And certainly I know about Jesus. I could tell you a lot of things about Jesus. If we sat down, I could tell you a lot of things about Jesus. But that, knowing those things and knowing those rules, understanding all these things that good people are supposed to do, can I just say, it will not be enough. It is not what he is requiring A major problem can start happening, too, when we start knowing all that stuff. We start looking around at the other people, and we start saying, well, you know why they have those issues? Because they're, <laughs> they're not following the rules like I follow the rules. Um, they don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. And it, it, it's easy. It's, it, it, I don't want myself to do that, but I just know it's our tendency to fall into those patterns and thoughts. Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter and he offers real life to this man. He's trying to give him a new way. And it won't mean trying harder. It's, it's not doubling down in the effort department. It's, it's completely renovating what religion is meant to be. It's putting Jesus first. And the rules, they come after. There's an outline. If, if you care, you can fill out these blanks. It might help you understand a little bit better where I'm going with this this morning, where, where John chapter, I really say where John chapter 3 is going. John chapter 3, it begins with uh, Nicodemus coming at night. Some people think he may have been sneaking there because he didn't want it to be known. Uh, good Pharisee talking to Jesus. This is what is written. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, and he uses this little phrase three times. It's the first blanks in your program there. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He's completely comfortable with this whole idea of a teacher. And his whole concept of how God worked and what to do and how to live out this life was, if I could just find the next teaching, then I would know what to do next. 
and I would fulfill my life. And maybe I don't have it all together right now. He would maybe even admit, I don't have it all together. But if I just knew more teachings, I would get there. Jesus takes it a totally different direction. Jesus does something unexpected. He takes a very uh, familiar passage to Nicodemus and goes somewhere else with it. Now, if you think about it, isn't that how God works so many times? Think about what happened in your life. When did God really speak to your truth into your life? Maybe it was an ordinary event, but many times he took an ordinary event and suddenly our, it's like our eyes were open to what he was doing. We suddenly became aware, oh, that's what that means. Well, that's what he does here. He takes him to a story that he may have been familiar with. Um, in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, there's a little story in the book of Numbers where Moses is leading the people of Israel through the desert and apparently they're, they're dishonoring God and so God allowed snakes to come into their midst and were starting to bite them. And so to save the people, it's kind of a weird story, but Moses apparently made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, lifted it up, and if you looked at the snake... You're okay. Okay, well, let's read about this. In John chapter 3, 14 and 15, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And if you were to skip into that passage and, and look deeper, where, did, where that comes from in Numbers, Numbers chapter 21 This is what is written there. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at that bronze snake, they lived. The healing happened in these lives of these people because of their faith in God. By turning up and looking at this bronze snake, it was basically saying, I believe in the maker, I believe in the creator, I believe in this. And and we don't know all the details of what happened in Numbers, but what Jesus is saying is, Nicodemus, if you want me to be your teacher, I cannot and I will not be your teacher. There's only one place I can be for you, Nicodemus, and I need to be the Son of God, lifted up in your life. It's almost as if he's saying, Nicodemus, never call me teacher again. Now Nicodemus meant it as respect and as honor, but what Jesus is saying, it falls short of the place that I've meant to be. Well, think about, think about that snake for a situation. One of the things that I, I believe medicine is, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I do I, I go to them, I believe in them, but I don't, I'm not one. The medicine and doctors, they, they don't fix people. What they do is there is a natural order that your body works. It's designed to fix itself. Your body was made to fix itself. And so when we go to the doctor and they give us medicine, it just it's like assisting our bodies in going to where they need to be. We believe that there is a designer, a great designer, that made within us the way for life to happen. 
And our world is like that. We believe that there is a pattern and order. There's, there's seasons. There's an order to music. Math works in a certain way. We believe all these things. We believe you could ask a kindergartner, is there peace at home? And they know what peace is or not. Even if they didn't know what peace is, they could understand if things are right at home and they could know if it's not. We desire for that life to happen. And that's what Jesus came to do. He wants to give life to his people and grant that. And what he's saying is, don't call me teacher. That's not where life will be coming from, from calling me a teacher or learning more. It comes from lifting me up and putting me where I was supposed to be. It's as if he's saying to Nicodemus, lay aside your practices, lay aside your rules. I'm not going to give you more things to do today. Like a snake-bitten wanderer, the only hope in this desert life is to look to Jesus. And that can only come from being born again. And that, that alone is a loaded, misunderstood, and confusing concept. That's where this next, the next line or program is. It's being born again. What does that mean? John chapter 3 goes on in verses 3 and 4. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their, their mother's womb to be born. Pharisees like Nicodemus were the good guys. They follow the law, they abide by what was right, they, can, they condemn the wrong. But Jesus spent an inordinate amount of time trying to straighten these guys out. And I think, and part of it was God disciplines, or he goes to the ones that he loves sometimes. He was giving attention to him because he knew that if, if those Pharisees could get on track, maybe a guy like Nicodemus could get on track, it could help many but Jesus is about to tell him that being more righteous than anyone is not the answer. Being more holy than he's been, they must be born again. But what exactly does being born again mean? Well, think, think about this. Now, you probably don't remember this day, but it happened. Um, when you were born, what did you do that day? Do you remember? All right, well, I can tell you, I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I wasn't there for you, but... You, you arrived, and you existed. You breathed, but you didn't do much. You just were there. It, a person physically being born just basically breathes and exists. Now, certainly, mom had a lot to do with it. There may have been a doctor. Maybe somebody else helped. But it was all these other things going on around you. If I would take that into the spiritual world, what do we do to be born again? How much do you have say in being born again? Well, I would say God has much more to do with it than we do. Being born again is a process by which God changes a person by his Holy Spirit. It might be, it might actually make sense that it's kind of hard to understand. To get ready for this message, I, I looked online, I just Googled, what do, what do people say is life? 
Like, what's the definition of life? And I found out something interesting. We don't know. It, I mean, what I mean by that is biologists don't have a definitive definition of life. There's many def- definitions, but there's no definitive one because there's always exceptions. For example, one, ex- one example of a definition of life is it, it can reproduce. But not every life reproduces. I, I know that because when I, I moved to my, my house that I'm at right now, Stanley's mule came over three days in a row. Three days in a row. The grass was greener in my yard. And so three days in a row I had to walk Lucy back. And Stanley just said, oh, he's, she, she does what she wants. Um, but I'm telling you, Lucy is alive. Lucy is absolutely alive. And Lucy is not going to have any little babies because that's what they can't, mules can't do that. So what is life? Well, biologists don't work, spend all day trying to figure out how should we define life? Can we find the final definition of what life is? No. What do they do? They find life. They figure out how that particular kind of life works and then they act and live on that. This is what life is about. Being born again is not so much trying to exactly define how did, how did it happen or what did it do. It's life. God gives life. He causes people to be born again and then he takes them to a new place. There's uh, an Old Testament passage that highlights this. This is Ezekiel 36, 25, and 26. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Look at this verse carefully. What do we do and what does he do? Listen again as I read this. What is he doing and what are we doing? I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. What part of this are you doing? Help me out. Can you see what are you doing in here? Connecting to the life giving out. Who is going to give life to his people here? Uh, I just I read it just this morning. I, I I came across this verse. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter eleven. I, I I don't know the. You can look it up for yourself. It says, "Who among you can tell you when I came in and gave life to you? Can anyone do that? No one can. So, here in Wisconsin, June is Dairy Month, right? We have farmers having dairy breakfast. I'm sure you could go, go somewhere and get something today. But do you know what else June is? It's Gay Pride Month. Around the world, people are celebrating that. Now, I I bring that up because you could think of, and it doesn't matter, it's not just that, it could be any group, the farmers, any group. Who needs Jesus in this world? Everybody. We all do, right? Who Who needs Jesus? We all do. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. I... I'm convinced that if Jesus were to talk to anyone about Christ, would he try to make sure that they had all their things in a row? Or would he say, lift me up. He doesn't walk Nicodemus through all the things he needs to change. He says, this is who I am. Now what's interesting is, we don't know exactly what happens to Nicodemus. We end up with a chapter with him being done. It's like, oh, what happened? 
But we can, we can sort of guess where it might go. The, the last line in your program there, um, Rob, if you could pull that up, the next, the next slide there. So what happens to those born again? It's amazing. If you follow Nicodemus' story through the end of John, there's some amazing things happen. But first, this is what being born again is. It's some famous verses. Many of you might have this memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So what happens to those that are born again? Well, first of all, let's make sure it's clear. We believe first. There's three little lines there. So first, we believe. That's maybe what happened, and I believe what happened to Nicodemus. We're not told, and we're not, we're not given this. This is the prayer that Nicodemus prayed or anything. But did Jesus get lifted up in his life? I believe yes. I believe yes. He believed. But then there's two more things that may have started happening, speaking and acting. The next um, time we see Nicodemus is, is in John chapter 7. Nicodemus apparently goes back to his ruling council and they're debating Jesus. What are we going to do with Jesus? And listen to what Nicodemus says. Now this is, think about if, if this is his peers, his group, he's putting himself at risk here. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? If you know the story, his, his colleagues go, what? No, are you one of his followers too? It's almost as if they could sense already this guy is going in a new direction. So first starts with believing. Let's not put the cart ever before the horse. He lifted Jesus up. But once he started realizing who Jesus was, he's like, man, I've got to start telling my world about it. The people that I'm around, I've got to figure out a way to share it. And it, he asked this, this kind of this open question do you know where this is going? Have you, what about, have you really thought maybe this is what Jesus is about? But there's one more episode that we're giving light into Nicodemus' life. In John chapter 19, this is connecting to the life-giving God right here in its essence. Jesus had died on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea took him down. And look, listen to what Nicodemus does. He, um, Joseph of Arimathea was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. How do you, how do you carry 75 pounds of something? Wheelbarrow? I don't know. Backpack? Heavy-duty backpack? I mean, you could carry it in your arms, but if you carried 75 pounds, that'd be heavy. You don't just stick it in your pocket. This is substantial. How much does 75 pounds of aloe and spices cost? I don't know. I don't know what it costs. It costs something though, right? And then think about, okay, Jesus was on the cross. He came down. The whole community, all of Jerusalem is watching this. Who's going to see a man walking around with 75 pounds of stuff? Everybody will. He was giving up everything for this to happen. And it wasn't told for him to do he was just going to do it. He's just going to do it. I, I, I have to do this kind of thing. Now, probably was losing a lot of rapport with his peers. Probably that, that spot on the ruling council, I'm guessing after today, or after that day, it's not so likely he's going to keep that anymore. 
But his choice was like, well, when you, when you lift Jesus up and we realize who he is, it becomes more obvious, this is what I must do. I must walk in this path. I must buy the 75 pounds. I must carry it here. And it's not because of an obligation. It's not because I'm required. Or I might get my, you know, I might get tomato out of my pepper plant or something like it, no, it. It's because I know it's unless I put Jesus in this proper place in my life and everything else revolves around that, that's where life begins. And the social media accounts and the media accounts of that day probably didn't get him. But I think he was okay with it. Because he knew, I want to follow Jesus and lift him up. So, when I think about Nicodemus and what he was about, I think what he was about is not just what he needed, it's something what I need. Maybe all of us need more of that a transforming relationship with this God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this account of Nicodemus. I thank you for this word about how he, he walked this path and he probably didn't know where it was all going. When he asked about the good te- of the good teacher, he didn't realize it would, it would lead to um, a completely different life change than he expected. But Lord, that's what you do all the time. You bring life change to those who need it. And at just the right time, you speak the truth that we can hear into our life. Lord, I pray that we would be ones that would bring this truth into our world, not expecting people to follow all the rules that that are in there, but Lord, rather lifting you up first and trusting your spirit and your, your will, your way to work in their life to bring them about to where they can be. Lord, for those that are carrying a burden of where does life begin? Where is my life? How can I help life begin for me? I pray that we would be ones that could point one another towards Christ and lifting him up. Lord, give us insight on what it means to share that life with our world. Whether it's asking a question like, like Nicodemus did or if it's something else, uh, being a servant. Um, I, I don't know exactly, Lord, in each situation, but I do know, Lord, you will speak that truth into our life. Help us know what it means so that the people that we love and care about in this world can see you and lift you up. I pray that Bethany Church would be full of people that are doing just that. We put this day and this week in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.